I often ask myself, what do we as Christians have that is so good that it's a shame that the world has to live without it? The answer, I believe, is the good news about Jesus, and that is worth sharing. This is Adam Hill, minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ, and I pray that today's message shares that good news and that you are richly blessed by it. From John chapter 10, the Bible says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking, that we can hear your voice. May we follow the voice of our shepherd, Jesus, who leads us, who feeds us, who guards us, who guides us, who knows us. God, we pray that in all things we can honor you and your son Jesus and by the power of the Spirit that we can lift up that others may see him that we may see him and that we may place our faith and our trust in him knowing that we will see a victory God you are good and your mercy endures forever We lift you up and we praise you. Speak, Father, today for your children are listening. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So it's... We're, we're, we're a few weeks into our series, we're a couple of months into our series on, on the Gospel of John that you may believe, if you remember he's writing this saying, I write this down so that you may believe. And, and it's pastoral scenes like the one in this text that I believe make precious moments figurines possible. <laughs> now, <clears throat> if you laughed, you have gray hair. I'm sorry, but many of you, many of our younger folks don't know what Precious Moments figurines are or Precious Moments Bibles. Now, I will tell you, you've seen them. All right. They look like kids. And they're, they, they, you, you, when you see the shepherd, it's a sappy-eyed little boy with rosy cheeks and a small smile. He's dressed adorably in a baggy patchwork robe. And he's holding a shepherd's crook and all. And there is a small, fluffy, big-eyed lamb snuggled happily in his lap. Passages like this make that scene possible. But what's going on here is more than a hallmark moment. Okay, last week, Clint 
uh, Pleasant very ably and powerfully discussed the healing of the man born blind in John 9. Uh, Clint, thank you. It was a wonderful word from God. Uh, give, give thanks to Clint, but give praise to God for the message that Clint spoke. Jesus restored the man's vision and promptly the man was dragged before the Pharisees who interrogated him, insulted him, threw him out of the synagogue, and they, 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 they try to rob the miracle of its joy. And in the process, they try to rob the sign of its significance. But they can't. And I wonder if Jesus addresses his words in chapter 10 to the Pharisees, but they don't get it. If you read what we read, look at verse 6 again. Jesus used a figure of speech that the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. And I wonder if the reason they didn't get it is because they didn't want to. It's amazing the things that you cannot understand if you're actively trying not to understand them. Isn't it? Jesus says again, verse 7, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, for whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In John chapter 10, we're going to see it three different times. Jesus is going to use this I am kind of language. He's already saying I am the gate. He's going to say I'm the good shepherd. I'm letting the cat out of the bag. And he's going to say it again. Now the first two times, every time he mentions what he is, he's also going to mention that there are some folks other than him that are working against what he's doing. Okay, so this time he says, I am the gate. Jesus brings us into life in the Father. I want to tell you a little bit about a conversation that I had quite a few years ago with my friend Josh. All right, some of you know Josh Graves. Um, this was in Nashville. We were in some ugly diner. That's, I remember that it was all kinds of yellows and oranges together was the decor. Okay, so 70s was the vibe, all right? And, and, and we were in this ugly diner, and the coffee was very mediocre, but the home fries were great. I do remember they were the best home fries I've ever had. Jerry, I'm just telling you, that's, I know it. Okay, I can remember them right now. I remember those are the best home fries I've ever had. We're sitting there at that table. And we're talking. Now, both of us were in our master's work studying theology, which means that place, it's amazing that it could hold both of our heads. All right? We were so smart. We knew so much. I mean, Josh was in his first year, so he knew a little more than me. I was in my last year. <laughs> You're catching it. We were talking theology. And our discussion meandered to this text in John 10. I had preached on it the week before. It was a sermon that Josh had heard. Okay, Josh was there. 
at the place where I preached it. Okay, so, so he has heard me speak on this text. And he has the audacity. By the way, before I go any further, you're on my side. All right, I'm telling the story, but you're on my side. He has the audacity to start telling me excitedly about this book he was reading that handled this text so much better than I had handled it in my sermon. And that isn't exactly how he said it, but it's exactly how I heard it. All right? And I was getting a little defensive. He was getting fired up about this book that he wanted me to read. And I was getting angry and hurt. And by the time he stated, in true Josh fashion, we've missed the point all along. Okay, Josh loves to tell you you've missed the point. This text, Josh says, is not about Jesus being the exclusive way to be saved. It's about, but I don't remember what he said after that because I exploded. This diner had no clue what it was in for. Like everyone else left. All right, because we're arguing loudly. I angrily interrupted him and I exploded with righteous indignation that was probably a little more indignation than it was righteousness. But don't, you're on my side. Just remember that. I said, well then Josh, why are we even Christians? If you're so smart, why are you sitting here with all the other liberal theologians apologizing for believing in Jesus? I'm sick of it. Jesus is the only way to be saved. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Are you, all you theological liberals want to take the sting out of everything Jesus says. And you want to make Him the nicest guy all of the time. Well, I'm sick of it. And I stared down my nose in contempt as I concluded self-righteously, I, for one, am tired of apologizing for Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, if you can end with that, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> By the time I finished, I realized I had hurt my friend. And the truth is, I hadn't listened to him. I'd listened to my own wounded pride, my own insecurities. And he was sharing a perspective on the text, and I was questioning his faith. And those are not the same thing. And my home fries tasted like guilt. And I've since apologized. And he's graciously forgiven me. And he says, I don't remember it quite that way. But what does he know? That, that's how it went down. I promise I was there. God's honest truth. But here's the kicker. The part that makes it even worse. He was right. Now, before you holler me down and ruin your home fries, let me explain what I mean. And, and it may be helpful to start with what I don't mean. I do not mean to suggest that salvation is found anywhere other than Christ alone. Salvation is in Christ alone. Amen? Okay, good. Now that we know that I'm not saying there is a whole many, oh, there's all kinds of roads to salvation. Now that we know I'm not saying that, salvation is by Christ alone. 
But what I do mean to suggest is that that is not what this text is about. That's true. It's just not what this text is about. Jesus isn't necessarily making a claim about the exclusive truth of Christianity when it comes to getting people into heaven. Now he says in verse 9, I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. Well, there you have it, plain as day, Adam. But if you have a Bible that has footnotes and you look at the footnote at the end of verse 9, it'll be attached to the word saved. And it'll say, oh, that could mean kept safe. And so what we've interpreted as saved in the sense of ultimate final salvation and judgment could be interpreted kept safe. That if, that, if, that if people enter through me, I will keep them safe. What if I told you that that was actually the better translation of that verb? So why is it the other way in the text? Well, I think it's because we haven't looked close enough at the back end of verse 9. They will come in, they will go out, and they will find pasture. They will come in, they will go out, and they will find pasture. Levi, I'm going to say it one more time because I'm not sure that people are picking it up. They will come in, they will go out, hold on, and find pasture. Now, if we're talking about salvation, they will come in. I'm saved by Jesus, amen? Amen. And they will go. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. So I'm leaving salvation? And get this, when I do, I'll find pasture. If you pay attention to the back end of verse 9, it makes sense that the front end of verse 9 is not talking to you about eternal salvation. As if somehow I'm going to go into heaven and I'm going to come out of heaven. What it's saying is that I will be experiencing the presence and blessing of God only by coming through Jesus. And that the door, the gate, Jesus is so important that as I come in to God's presence and as I move out of God's direct presence, I still find the pasture of God who is going to provide for me as his sheep. Okay, that, 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 that what this text is saying is that the pen is not heaven. The sheep pen. And the sheep are not looking somehow for alternate routes in. They're sheep. They can't climb the fence. They can't vault over the fence. They can't tunnel under the fence. The point is not that the sheep are attempting to find alternate paths into the pen, which represents heaven. The pen is heaven. Like we said, the second half of verse 9 gets awkward. They're not leaving heaven. They're not, they're not looking for heaven's outer courts. The sheep pen 
is life. Each of our lives, and hence there's a warning against the Pharisees that they're trying to climb in. They're trying to invade heaven. They're, they're trying to invade our lives. Now, the thief, remember I told you there's a place where he says who he is, and then there's a place where he says who's working against him. He says, I am the door, I am the gate. And then he says, let me tell you about these thieves. And the thief in this text slithers in like the serpent slithers into the garden. The thief comes into this text, and the thief has a purpose to steal, to kill, and destroy. He says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep haven't listened to them. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, and I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He says, the thief is coming. The thief is on his way. Now this this is pretty important. Keith, if you knew the thief was coming to your house, would you make any preparations? All right. You might lock the doors. Shut and make sure the windows are latched, right? My wife and I have a constant battle over latching the windows. I win and I latch. <clears throat> in case any of y'all were, in case any of y'all were getting any ideas, you're not you're not getting into my house because I win. I'm diligent. I check them. They latch. Kelly's like, just close it. It'll be fine. And I'm telling her, but the thief is coming. If you know the thief's coming, you should prepare for it. Amen? Here's the problem. We've been told time and again the thief's coming and we don't do anything different. We leave the windows open and the doors unlocked. We don't worry about it. And yet Jesus told us the thief is coming. Here's what's amazing. I know the thief's coming, and yet for some reason, I start fighting and arguing with you. Folks, we don't have time to fight and argue with each other because the thief is coming. And we got to stop finding other things to spend our time on because we need to prepare because the thief is coming. He says in verse 10, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. And when he says life more abundantly and life to the full, he's not talking about after you die in some sense of irony. Yes, I know there's eternal life in heaven. I look forward to it every day. But he's talking about life more abundant here and now. 
that God's sheep can know that they're safe and will be kept safe as they come and as they go, as I spend time in church and as I spend time outside of church because I can encounter God's pastures for me when I'm talking to my pastor or I can see it when I'm talking to my friends. I can encounter God's pasture for me when I am here doing righteous things and serving others and when I'm here having a great time. That coming in or going out, I am in the presence of God and am kept safe so that as I live and as I grow, as I go about my daily life in God, Jesus provides my security. Both inside the door and outside the door. You see, the door is the key, not the building. Anywhere I am, what I need is the door. And if I know the door, then I know I can find green pastures going in and coming out. I think we tend to focus all of our attention on getting saved. And most of Scripture and most of this text is about being saved. We tend to think about getting saved. Most of Scripture in this text is about being saved, a daily living out of the richness of salvation in Christ. And eternal life in Christ is not more time to fill, but life as it is imagined at its best. It is life worth living. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I did what we always do. I jumped to the end. Life and life more abundantly. But there's something else in this text that's spoken to me recently. It's the first three words. I've come. I have come. You, you need to know Jesus is calling. <clears throat> I'm messing around. I, I love you. It, you're all right. I like, I don't mind it at all. I thought it was great. Jesus says, I have come. You see, there is good news right there because you are not alone. The shepherd is here. That you, you as a sheep are not alone anymore. The shepherd is here. Amen. The shepherd has come. The thief is coming, but the shepherd's here too. All right? And, and, and I need you to know that he's a good shepherd. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, okay, he's going to tell you who he is, and then he's going to tell you about a group that's not him. I'm the gate, watch out for the thief. I'm the good shepherd, not the hired hand. You following? Okay, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You see, Jesus is a good shepherd not simply as a statement of exclusivity, but even more it's a statement of nobility. He's the noble shepherd. 
Shepherding was a dangerous thing, a tiring thing. It's not at all like that little rosy-cheeked, doe-eyed boy in his little scrappy robe. It's hard and dirty work. He's committed to the sheep. You see, Jesus as the gate leads us to life and the Father, and Jesus as the shepherd cares for us, feeds us, leads us, protects us. Jesus is saying to us, I will come against anything that comes against you. Now, man, that y'all missed your shout right there. We'll try it one more time because we like the practice. Jesus says, I'm not like the hired hand. The hired hand, when, when something comes against the sheep, they leave because they don't care for the sheep. They're there for the paycheck. They don't really care for the sheep. They're just there for what they can use the sheep to get. More on that in a minute. I'm not the hired hand. I'm the shepherd. I'll lay down my life for you. You catch it? You catch it? I am the good shepherd. I will come against anything that's coming against you. That I came to protect what I started in you. And I need to praise him. I need to praise him. Hallelujah. Because he's protecting me. He's protected me. I know that he's fought for me. You ask King, has anyone here been fought for? I've been fought for by God. Jesus has already talked about the thieves and the robbers, but here he introduces this other group for our consideration, the hired hands. The thieves and robbers were obviously wicked. They're trying to destroy. Now, I'll tell you, there's an amazing thing in this text. Just because you know the door doesn't mean the thieves aren't coming. Just because you know the door doesn't mean the thieves aren't coming. The hired hands, though, they're not necessarily wicked. They're self-interested. The hired hand works for pay, and when the pay is reasonable and the conditions are acceptable, they stick around. But when danger comes in, the pay is determined not to be enough to keep them there. So when they can't use the sheep to get what they're after, they leave. The hired hands won't lay down their life for the sheep. The shepherd will. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, verse 11. But, but the hired hands aren't going to do that. Who, who or what would you die for that isn't willing to die for you? All the people we want to impress, the popular folks that we think will make our lives easier if we're in with them, That company that you work so hard for? Your political party? Or political ideology? You're willing to die for them, but they're not willing to die for you? The money that I constantly chase? 
See, those, those are my hired hands. And, and, and let me take a step further. Those are my idols. Those are my idols. I got to be honest, some of them may even be robbers and thieves. And then we, then we get this other character. I've talked about robbers and thieves. I've talked about the hired hands. Jesus also mentions one more character. He talks about the wolf. Right? So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The wolf comes to scatter the sheep. The wolf understands this. There's strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. So the wolf comes to scatter the sheep. The, the wolf comes to scatter the sheep because he knows there's strength in numbers. This is why your Bible tells you, forsake ye not man. Ooh-wee. I'm in the king. Do you see me slip to the King James immediately like that? That's when we're preaching, people. Forsake ye not the assembly. Or do not get out of the habit of meeting together. Well, that just doesn't sound the same. <laughs> because there's strength in numbers. And because you shouldn't be alone out there by yourself. Because isolation is the last step before destruction. Here's what I've found. I've been a pastor for about 25 years now. Here's what I've found. People leave before they leave. They isolate themselves before they leave. They leave and then they say, boy, I just don't feel connected to anyone. I don't feel like anyone cares about me. No one's checking on me. No one's talking to me. And I'm hiding from them, but that's not my fault. People leave before they leave. The wolf wants to scatter us. The wolf wants us isolated Because that's the, that's the step right before destruction. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 6, and 8. If you were thinking to yourself, that sounds so good, it should be in the Bible. <laughs> you were right. It is in there. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What's, what's, what's the point? What's the point of dying? He says, I'm the good shepherd. Verse 14 and following. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I have to bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. 
No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. It sounds like resurrection because it is resurrection. Exactly, Lenny. That's what we're talking about. The point of dying is resurrection. Jesus lays down his life for the sheep in order to take it up again. Because Jesus died in order to rise. And his death is not an accident of fate or a tragedy perpetrated by misguided men. Rather, it was part of the plan conceived and carried out by God to free and protect humanity. I'll tell you this, hell hung him high. And hell stretched him out wide. And they thought that if we strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. And hell threw a party. And I tell you, at that party, they were high on Friday night. And they were drunk on Saturday night. But then there was Sunday morning where they had to sober up real quick because the party had ended. Because the shepherd came back undefeated and undefeatable. This laying down of life and taking it back up is an act of deliverance from all of the life-stealing forces, the thieves and the bandits. From all the all-promises, no-follow-through forces, the hired hands. From all of the attacks that scatter us, the wolves. That if anything comes against you, I'll come against it. Because I'm the good shepherd. Kenny, go ahead and come on up. So as you come in and go out, as you find pasture and the blessing of God, as you live your life, from where does your security come? Will you trust yourself to the one who loves you and chooses you? who has been delivered from death and can deliver us from death. Will you find your security in the good shepherd? Because that's the gospel for all the sheep. The lost and the found. Not to mention the ones who wandered away. It's especially good news for those who needed a comeback. In whose hands have you placed your life? Have you given your life to the thieves and robbers? Have you placed your life into the hands of the hired hands? Have you been the victim of the wolf? 
or will you give yourself wholeheartedly to the one who gave himself for you, the good shepherd? Amen. Let's stand and sing. And any who would come to Christ can do so now. A quick confession here. Truth be told, as I preach, I'm often preaching at myself. I'm saying what I need to be reminded of. Thankfully, my struggles and questions are not just mine. It turns out that being human brings some pretty universal challenges to all of us. I am so thankful for the good news of Jesus Christ. It has never let me down. I pray that today's message blessed you with the good news. Remember, you are loved and chosen.